Hello, Uniquely Kentucky listeners. This is Amber Philpott. Uh, We are coming off of the long 4th of July holiday weekend. Hope you had a great one. You know, if you're like a lot of folks, you maybe spent part of your 4th of July holiday weekend binge watching the latest uh, episodes of Stranger Things. It's season three. And so because of that, we have a really cool connection to Stranger Things via a Lexington author. And so I was uh, able to uh, grab her and get her to come in and talk a little bit about her connection of how writing and her books led her to get kind of wrapped up in this hugely popular, hugely successful show, show, Stranger Things. So uh, I think you're going to like what we have today. Again, uh, we're talking books, but we're also talking the pop culture phenomena that is Stranger Things. From WKYT Podcast, this is Uniquely Kentucky. I'm your host, Amber Philpott. I'm joined by author, wait a minute, New York Times <laughs> best-selling author, Gwenda Bond. Gwenda, hello. Hi. How are you? Is that still weird to hear oh, that? Oh, yeah, it is weird. <laughs> yeah, I can tell by the look on your face. So before we go anything, what, what I should talk, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, but Gwenda just recently released the prequel to Stranger Things, uh, Stranger Things Suspicious Minds, and that is what kind of put you over the top, as you will, of yeah. being that best-selling author. First of all, when I tell people who you are, they go, what? I must talk to her. How in the world did you get associated with one of the most hugely popular things right now, Stranger Things? Yeah. Um... I would say luck, but it's a combination of luck and hard work, I guess. Um, I had written uh, a bunch of books uh, of my own and also had written some books for DC Comics about Lois Lane as a teenager and Clark Kent. And I guess that is probably what brought me to the attention of the editor who was looking for who would she get to write these first Stranger Things novels. Uh, And... um, I guess also because the first one, the book, Suspicious Minds, is about Terry Ives, who's Eleven's mom, and her experience in 1969 in um, the experiments with Dr. Brenner and how Eleven came to be. And I have a reputation for writing uh, strong female characters, and so I guess she thought I would be a good match for that, and I uh, was absolutely thrilled when they asked, of course. Well, that is amazing, and I know it's kind of, you know, probably put you on the map with a lot of different readers but you have been writing for a really long time and you have a slew of books under your belt now. Let's start from the beginning. Where did that love of writing come from? Is that something that you always wanted to do? Because when I first met you, you were the gal that we called many times in Frankfurt um, to talk to us if we needed some sound uh, in the particular office that you were working in state government. Yeah, it's so funny. Uh, Even after I published my first few books, occasionally I would be quoted in like the New York Times article about a disease outbreak of some kind. And I'd get all these emails from kind of my publishing side of life. Like, is this you? And I'd be like, Yes, there's not that many Gwendolyn's out there, especially not in Kentucky. Um, but I always wanted to write, and I was always writing, even when I had a day job. I was really lucky that I had a day job that I really loved, and also I feel like state government gives you there's a, a fair amount of time off, regular hours to an extent. 
um, not always mm-hmm. uh, in a job like mine, but um, it was it was a good mix of not using the creativity. But I always wanted to write, and my parents were both readers and educators in Jackson County, which is where I grew up, um, and always encouraged um, me to sort of follow my passions um, and and really were encouraging in a way that I feel very grateful for. Sure. You published your first book, 2012? Yes. And what was that? Uh, Blackwood or Strange Alchemy. It's been republished mm-hmm. under that title. Uh, it was a book about the lost colony of Roanoke Island, which I had always been fascinated by. Unsolved mysteries are, are sort of always, uh, I think, something that intrigue. And I had just had this sort of idea of doing a modern day take on the lost colony and it took years it actually was one of the first things I started when I was writing uh starting out trying to write novels but I couldn't figure out what my solution to the mystery was so I put it away and wrote a couple of other uh bad manuscripts and then I went back to it and realized almost immediately oh this is what the solution will be. So sometimes it just takes five years of back burner. <laughs> sometimes great ideas just take a little bit of building yeah. and nurturing and then voila, right. in the middle of the night, you, I'm sure Absolutely. you just get right out of bed and go, this is it. Um, you also, you write with your husband, yes. who is also an author, yeah. Chris Rowe. Uh, when I met you at your home for the story that we're doing, you have very tight working quarters <laughs> with him. You joke that you have the bigger screen, so that's your partition, I guess. How is that? Because, um, you know, two creative folks living in the same house trying to to bang out work, if you will, Mm -hmm. can sometimes, especially if one of you kind of hits that wall, but is that helpful that you can then bounce things off of one another? I think it's definitely helpful. Um, The the, the main thing is I think we're not competitive with each other, which is, I think is crucial. You know, I mean, I could see like some nightmare scenarios if you were, and it's funny because I mean, I'm not that competitive a person. Christopher's pretty competitive, like in games and stuff, but but not in in that sense. He's always been super supportive. Uh, he was published before I was, and I, you know there was never any sense that that meant that my time work time was less important than his. Um, so I think we've always been really good creative partners, and writing together is just it's fun. Uh, I always say, if for no, nothing else, you do half the work and get double the words, which is always a good feeling. We're writing something together right now, uh, and it's nice because we trade off like every three pages or so. When you come back, there's magically three more pages than there. Were when you stop that's really good <laughs> but also just to have somebody who understands why you get cranky when it's not a good day um, and who can help you talk through work um, and it's good to have a first reader in the house I mean really honestly it's pretty ideal well I think that's a lot of the time Sam and I because we sit mm-hmm. across from each other and and obviously we write but on a much different scale but sometimes mm-hmm. you just hit that point where you're yeah. like I've looked at this for so long and so I'll many times just yell across to him and go what do you think about this or what yeah. is this supposed to be because you just need someone that kind of understands absolutely and so no one else in the newsroom knows what we're talking about but between the two of us we know well, you sometimes know? even just saying it out loud to another person yeah. you'll figure it out I also have been known to squirt Christopher with, with a squirt gun and make himself blood rolls for me so that maybe is not recommended maybe that's not the best but if it works <laughs> 
So you're saying I need a squirt gun for Definitely. Sam across the industry. Okay, let me write that down. I've got that. Um, you are known for some really interesting reads. And what I do love about your books is that you do have some really strong female characters. Why was that something that in your writing of all the things that you could write about was very important to you? Because it seems like you have made a, a point to make that sort of a place in almost every book. Not everyone, yeah. but most of them. Yeah, I think it's pretty natural for me. Um, I grew up with a mom who uh, was definitely one of those. I always say Lois Lane uh, was one of the first characters I ever saw in TV or uh, movies that reminded me of my mom because it, she was a professional woman who was surrounded by men but was good at her job. Uh, my mom was the first female principal in Jackson County, which doesn't sound like something that would be controversial, but it was super controversial when I was a kid. Uh, and lots and lots of people tried to prevent it from happening. Uh, and so she was always an inspiration to me. And I feel like, uh, and my grandmother too, you know, I feel like I was surrounded by strong women growing up and always loved stories about them, but always also felt like there could be a lot more. And so I feel like I just write about the kind of women that I know uh, and or like from obsessions like the circus of things that I will never do professionally, but really I'm interested in. And so it's a way to kind of live a bunch of different lives, kind of like journalism is. Sure. And you don't necessarily, I mean, I think you said this to me, you know, a, a good story can be for everyone. Yeah. And so it's kind of hard to, to say like, you know, when I think of your books, I think of like young adult mm -hmm. or, you know, young reader, but really anyone can benefit from them. But the Lois Lane is a trilogy mm -hmm. and then your your circus yes. is a trilogy too. It is. It's two novels and a graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And uh, that one definitely has a ton of adult readers, but also very devoted teen readers. Uh, I think I, I do think like those divisions, the kind of the age categories have sort of gone away and it's more about the type of story and if you're somebody who likes kind of a faster paced read like a lot of adults are going to enjoy young adult books because they don't you know young adult readers don't have a lot of uh patience for pretension mm -hmm. uh or for like you know you taking your like boring like holding forth on something they want to read a good story um and i think that's true of a lot of adults too um but you know i mean the stranger things book is technically published for adults uh, and has, you know, college-age characters who are going through some pretty big things, including, like, pregnancy mm -hmm. and being drugged in an exhibit. But um, lots and lots of... Um, lots and lots of teens and younger readers are reading it, some with their parents. And, um, you know, so I feel like it's just up to the individual reader. It's interesting that you mention a graphic novel because I have uh, my best friend from childhood is a, a school librarian. And she said, you know, I used to be very standoffish about graphic novels and, and that's not, you know, real yeah. reading for kids. But now she says, I've really changed my tune on it because she said, you know, they're, um, they're so interesting. And then if a, if a kid's going to get a hold of it and that's what gives them the love of reading, my goodness, how can you keep that from them? So I think that's interesting that you've added Absolutely. that in there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, long time, I'm a long-time comics reader. I grew up reading comics. Um, and I do feel like, you know, there was a stigma there for a long time, just like there is with any kind of genre of fiction or anything that's perceived as fun to read. <laughs> and right. it's like maybe we should be encouraging kids to also read fun books once in a while. Um, Would it hurt? But, no. But, you know, the thing about graphic novels is they really develop a different 
reading skill, um, you know, because it is a different thing. And I know a lot of adults, like, you know, who don't read comics have trouble reading them. So, I mean, the more kinds of things you can read, the more ways you can, you know, sort of teach your brain to experience stories, like, the better. The folks that listen to this, hopefully, the (laughs) few that listen, I don't know. (laughs) But if you listen, you know I talk about books a lot, and I think they're so very important. I am... You need a book club. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. But, well, then I'm not a fast reader, and the people would... (laughs) I couldn't keep up with that. Um, But I do... It could be quarterly. It could be quarterly, (laughs) yes. Um, I just think they're so important. I think if you are a lover of books and you love to read... Books have probably found a place every single part of your life. Mm -hmm. And what takes you back to like your very first book that really like sucked you in, hooked you? I mean, you told me you had access to the library year round, which I think is like any bookworm's dream. I mean, you know what's funny is uh, I graduated to adult books very early, right? And and so I actually discovered, even though most of my books have been published as young adult, I kind of discovered young adult and kids books even uh, a lot of the classics as an adult reader uh, and the thing is they hold up you know these are kind of universal stories and when I went to grad school I kind of got to read everything and so if I'm in a reading slump now um, you know I do go all the way back to the beginning I will go to the library and check out picture books um, and you know because picture books are so hard to write I've come to respect so much like how difficult it is to write a good picture book and there's just something about the simplicity of the story and the art a really good picture book will almost always like kind of leave me inspired even though I don't write picture books and never will because it's too hard <laughs> and some of them have the most amazing storyline but but whatever it's teaching you in the book yeah. I mean I find myself sometimes that's what a lot of my gifts are to adults yeah. now is a children's book sure. that I think means something and sometimes I get lost in that section Absolutely. going wow I wish I was a kid I wish you know someone <laughs> well, get I this mean, for me now we have those, I mean you know we sort of have this myth I think about adulthood that once you're an adult you have everything figured out and you you don't, you know, struggle with your emotions or problems or figuring out what you want to do with your life. And, and, you know, the truth is, of course, we're all always still asking those questions. So, of course, those stories still have, like, a fresh thing to teach us as adults. Sometimes just a trip back to that section just kind of helps ground you and figure it out. Um, Let's talk, though, because that's kind of what what is going on right now with the release of the season three of Stranger Mm -hmm. Things. You know, how in the world... um, I just think that's the ultimate compliment to you, that something that is so big, uh, these folks reach out to you and and had the confidence in you um, to say, here's our brand, (laughs) you take it and run with it. And have the freedom to do it. Yeah, they were great to work with. Uh, I think probably because the Duffer Brothers are writers themselves, and they obviously have a great writer's room on the show. One of the writers in that room was kind of my direct conduit to them in developing the story to make sure that everything meshed well. And you never know, you know, you're always kind of told up front when you're working on a project like this that you'll have some freedom. Uh, And I'm really only interested if I feel like I can put my own stamp on it a little bit. I want to please fans, but I also want to bring something to it. Uh, I have to be as invested in it as I would be in anything that I write. Because what if it turns into a nightmare project, Oh, absolutely, yeah. Uh, But I have to say, they were a complete delight to work with. They were very, uh, you know, they, they let me really tell the story I wanted to tell, and it is... A huge compliment, and I just watched. I of course binged uh, season three immediately as soon as it came out uh, on uh, on Thursday, 
and just think that they like managed to surpass even what they've done and uh so it's a real it's in in watching like kind of the amazon ranking bounce back up mm-hmm. um for the book because people are now want more uh to get to be a part of that extension and that universe is pretty cool you know, when we sat down to do the interview for the story, I was saying, you know, I, I just, as a writer, I would think, I would feel like that that was like an immense weight on your shoulders of thinking, I've got this, you know, it's hugely popular and now I'm going to be a part of it and I don't want this to flop. Or was it just the excitement of I'm a part of it and it wasn't that big old heavy weight? There's definitely a pressure there, but I work really well under pressure. I think maybe, I I mean, it probably is a combination of my day job and like a journalism degree Mm -hmm. and and also like writers and deadlines. You know, some of us are better with them than others. Uh, So I feel like there's a, there is a certain gift that you get when you have a project like this where you have to do it on a pretty tight timeline. Uh, that there's not time to stop and get mired in self-doubt. And you also have the team of your editor and the consultant um, from the from the show kind of to to sort of be there as and not really guardrails isn't the right words, but you know that if you get in trouble, you've kind of got sure. this team of Someone's people who are there invested, to steer right? you a little bit. Which is not yeah. necessarily, mm-hmm. you know, when you're writing uh, a nut, the regular kind of book uh, from your own original, you you still have that, but not until it's done. Right. Um, do you think that we will see any of your work pop up at some point? I don't know. You know? It would be cool. A lot of a lot of reviewers have have said that they think it would make a great prequel series, and I will admit that I I did create a whole bunch of new characters and structure it as a TV season, um, not in the hopes that it would be made to be one, but so that it would feel like that to readers. So who knows? Fingers crossed. And I would obviously love to see my new BFF Matthew Modine come back to the show at some point. <laughs> Let's write that down. Has anyone heard this? This is what she wants, okay? Um, do you ever hope that, I mean, is, would that be the ultimate thing for you as a writer to uh, have something be made into something, you know, either on the big screen or now something like a Netflix or an Amazon series? Sure. Or are you just the type of person that your books are your books and that's what's... I mean, I have always loved, uh, I mean, I love movies and television and obviously anything that brings your written work to a wider audience, like, of course, who doesn't want that? But also I kind of started out as a screenwriter uh, before I discovered young adult books and decided that's what I wanted to write. So who knows? Like, I might want to do some some writing in Hollywood at some point myself, uh, adapting my own work or somebody else's. But of course, I don't want to have to move there because I like it here. That's awesome. You write we should say in a hundred year old home that has quite the story itself um does that give you a little spark in writing of kind of being in a place like that that holds a lot of history sure i think lexington in general is a really inspiring place to be there's a lot of creative people here uh, in all sorts of different fields and it's just kind of the perfect mix of a big city and a small town uh, feeling and just being able to walk around our neighborhoods and um, you know I feel very lucky to live here. We both love it here a lot. Gwenda, you your first book that was published um, was by just a small sort of yeah. out of England, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and you you say you're so grateful that they took a um, you know chance on a new author. Well, I think the thing is I was always writing during those years uh, and was aware somehow I knew enough writers got to know enough writers early on. Uh, that I was 
aware of the gap between what I was writing and what was publishable. Uh, and so I always knew I wanted to kind of pursue traditional publication books, like physical books and libraries. And there's a lot of different options now, but I think to just try and educate yourself, there's so much out there, good advice, uh, you know, books about writing and reading, but also you really learn by doing it. Um, and doing it and then looking at what you've done after setting it aside for a while and asking yourself, okay, what parts of this are not good? Uh, you know, to be willing to be bad at something, I think is really the crucial step. Um, you know, many, many writers and other successful people talk about the importance of failure. And I think that that's the big thing is like not to be afraid of it. It's just going to be a part of any endeavor that you do in your life. Very few things you're going to be that are worth it are going to, you're going to be successful right out of the gate. So, and you had shopped around plenty of things prior to that first one. Yeah, no, I think a lot of people think you get a literary agent and then immediately like everything happens from there. And, you know, I think my agent and I, was the third manuscript that we shopped together in the fourth book that I had written that sold. And we did ultimately sell the other ones, but I majorly reworked them. Uh, and so everybody has a different path. You know, some people do sell their first book. Um, I have lots of friends who have, and, and others took way more manuscripts even than me. Um, so you just have to love it enough that you will will do it for free for however long it takes, right, to, to be able to, to sell your work to somebody. So can Gwenda Bond name all of her books as we speak? <laughs> Is that like the ultimate putting you on the spot? Okay, let's try. All right. I don't know if I'll be able to do them in order or not. Okay, that you don't need to do that in order. get published yeah. when they get written. Um, let's see. So Blackwood was first, which got republished as Strange Alchemy a couple of years ago. The Woken Gods was second. Uh, Girl on a Wire was third. And it's usually the book that I recommend people start with because it was the fr- it's the first book I wrote that I feel like only I could have written that book, if that makes any sense. Sure. Like, I feel like I leveled up with that book. Okay. Um, and let's see. Girl in the Shadows is the second book in that series. Uh, Girl Over Paris is the graphic novel, which I co-wrote with Kate Leth and Ming Doyle Illustrated for Comics Buffs. Um, <laughs> Christopher and I wrote two books in the Supernormal Sleuthing Service series, The Lost Legacy and The Sphinx's Secret. Um, I wrote a serial and scripted podcast called Dead Air, which is a novel and th- uh, book that you can get um, in audio or ebook. Uh, that's called uh, that with Rachel Kane and Carrie Ryan. Uh, Suspicious Minds, of course. I feel like I'm missing the one. Lois Lane. Oh, the Lois Lane book. Fallout, <laughs> <laughs> double down, and triple threat. You were so close. <laughs> You are so close. This is how you know you've written too many books. <laughs> I think that's awesome. When you forget <laughs> you have written some good books. Then. So you mentioned uh, the book that is, a, you know, kind of about a serial podcast. Mm-hmm. When you have some other time, when you're not writing <laughs> yeah. and doing other things, you also <laughs> are a co-host to a podcast called Cult Faves. Yeah. And it's really funny. <laughs> Uh, I spent my morning listening, just like kind of goofily smiling. Uh, so you guys do talk about that's cults. our brand. Yes, it's a good brand. 
but you do. You talk about cults and just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, you each choose one yep. for the episode. D- do I dare say how we even fell down that rabbit hole of cults? <sighs> Uh, my co-host Cher Martinetti uh, also hosts another podcast, Sci-Fi Channel, Strong Female Characters, and I was a guest on it right after Wild Wild Country came out, and so we started talking about Wild Wild Country while her other while her, while her co-host was bored to death. <laughs> and a few weeks later, she contacted me and asked if I'd be interested in doing a podcast. And I love learning to do new things, and I love podcasts. And I'm like, sure, if you teach me how to do it. Um, so you know, shared kind of took my took me by the hand, and um, and that was where, how the podcast started. But yeah, it's a lot of fun. We're we're get, get, coming back for season two soon. Wow, season two, <laughs> and who knew there were that many cults? But there are. There are right? so many. <laughs> well, I told you, you know, I went to Texas a few years, and I made my girlfriend drive me out to the Branch Davidian compound. <laughs> I love it. Partially because I am, I'm much like you. I love learning things that I don't understand. Yeah, yeah sure. And I, you know, uh, and, and I, I love, I was listening this morning, it's, it's not about making fun. No. It's about just trying to even understand how things happen in the world that we live. Oh, no, yeah. If we make fun of anyone, it's always the cult leader. Absolutely. Uh, not the people who get taken yeah. in and are their victims. And, um, you know, there's, I, I mean, there are just so many of these things out there and people get sucked into them every day. And I think there's a lot of shame there. Mm-hmm. So the more we can talk about it and, um, and also just delve into the fascinating weirdness yeah. um, of how these things operate, the better, because they're not going away anytime soon. No, especially I think there's like something new every day that you could go, I think that's a cult. I Absolutely. Think I just... I'm yeah. in a new diet fad. I think people I'm in a really cult. Yeah. To, people really are hungry to connect with mm-hmm. other people. And unfortunately, there are a lot of of, um, of people who would like to capitalize on that and sure. use it for uh, for their own personal gain. So when Gwendamon isn't writing, she isn't hosting a podcast, I know you love to read. Do you still have time to read? And oh, what are yeah. you reading at this moment? Uh, I am reading a book by Max Gladstone called The Empress of Forever that uh, usually space opera is kind of, other than maybe Star Wars, is kind of a blind spot for me, a bit of a kryptonite. I don't usually like it, but I love this. It basically starts off um, with a character who is kind of the female version of a Steve Jobs type Mm. mogul and she needs to disappear because she's in sort of this near future and uh, and she's made the wrong people angry so she's going off the grid and somehow ends up getting catapulted into the future and is trying to get back to our timeline while sort of exploring with these really interesting characters and it's just a really fun like well written good world building book how much do you read? A lot. Yeah. Uh, I still am. I mean, I I read some some every day. Um, but yeah, it, it, usually a book a week, sometimes more. Wow, I wish I could do a book a week, but <laughs> I just I don't know. There's something about it that like if I'm not reading, and a lot some of them may be like quick reads, but it's oh just yeah, as a, I, I mean, mean I read every hand. day. I mean, yeah. it's, it's like that. I don't even turn the television on at home when I get home from work, and that's yeah. what I do. So I mean, it might just be a chapter or so yeah. a night, but I mean, it's my spill to 
to kids when I talk to them at school that it makes your brain bigger and faster yeah. and stronger. And I, I don't, yeah. I really believe that. It's not just really a yeah, thing yeah. I tell them. I believe it. So hopefully when I'm 80, I'll be yeah, still yeah. really smart. I mean, Christopher's the same. Like he reads, he reads as constantly as I do. I'm sure. just a fast, I've always yeah. been a fast oh, yeah. reader. Yeah. Like people have different reading speeds and I mean, it's just, you know. I think it's part of, I guess, my curious nature. I'll read and then I'll think about something, mm. and I'm like, when I should just be continuing to read. Well, no, then, I mean, you that's know, a, like that's a, so I stop like and I break. think about things in the middle of the book. He um, does that too and looks up words, whereas I will just plow right ahead. If I, I don't noticed know a word. that about him when I met, <laughs> he seems like the guy that researches every single uh, yes. thing and then researches something else about it. Yes. As you are like, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to look it up and we're going to move on. Yeah. That, pre- that was pretty I much like you to a research, but I research in a more targeted way. Yes. He was like, let's read six other books about this one I book. I would be more like, why don't I learn how to do a martial art for a book <laughs> rather than like learn everything about the history of salt in a certain country or something. Yeah. Uh, what is next for Gwenda Bonds? Oh, unfortunately, it's all, uh, it's all top secret for now. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, the second season of Cult Faves will be coming out soon and another announcement of something sure. else um, and I'm working on a couple books so there will be more things. Well I know there's a lot going on because when we were shooting the story mm-hmm. uh, the wall yeah. is covered <laughs> in uh, index cards yes. and so I feel like that's like the wall of thought and the wall yeah, of ideas yeah. so you could tell a lot was going on yeah, in the office. Yeah we're halfway through the one of those the one half of the wall that was um, that was mine and Christopher's project that we're working on that hasn't been announced yet and I think I'm hoping that I will finish the other half of the wall by the end of the week for my birthday. Gwenda what I think is amazing (laughs) is that here you are you're a Jackson County native you're living in Lexington but yet you know you you and and Christopher both have, have managed to really kind of make this like global place, if Mm -hmm. you will, in the world where it's really interesting to think about. You can be based right here in Lexington and you have all these things going on all over the country just through writing. I mean, I tell kids anytime I go to a school, I I mean, the thing that, the thing I really believe is that stories, you know, we all, you tell different stories based on where you're from, even if they're not necessarily about that. Mm-hmm. And so the world needs as many voices as it can get. And unfortunately, especially in writing, you really can do it from anywhere. Absolutely. One of the things, um, before I let all of my guests go, is I always ask them, you know, we call this podcast Uniquely Kentucky. What do you think? You're a Kentucky gal, born and raised. What makes us so unique in this state? I think the thing that I love most about Kentucky is something that often also frustrates me, which is that I feel like a lot about, it's a very complicated place with a lot of layers. And so people who see it from outside often see just one little facet or piece. Um, And so it often feels like you're part of kind of this secret family that knows that you really live in this cool place with all this deep history um you know not all of it good but not all of it bad uh and that there are so many interesting folks doing amazing things here uh you know I mean I I love Kentucky I'm very when I was a kid I couldn't wait to get to to move away you know like every cliche and then almost as soon as I had the opportunity I realized no I actually really like it here I'm buying a story that you can only do what you want somewhere else Cool. If folks want to find 
your books or more about you or they would like for maybe you to come speak to their school or group or whatever how do people find you uh gwendabond.com is my website and there is contacts and links to everywhere else i am on the on the on the web the quickest place to get a response from me on social media is usually twitter where i'm just at gwenda and your books can be found most anywhere. Yeah, if if they don't have them at a bookstore, they can order them for you in a couple days. Joseph Beth can always get me into signed books, um, and you know they're obviously available anywhere else. Well, Gwenda, from one Kentucky gal to another, thank you for making this home and staying here and doing what you're doing and contributing to the state and making it the great place that we love so much. So we expect way more books the next time you're on that you're going to have to list from beginning to end, okay? Uh, I promise. And uh, back at you. <laughs>